0: And a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is Annalise Stevens-Jennings. She's a graduate of Wesley Theological Seminary, and she's the director of youth ministries at Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Alexandria, Virginia, where she and her husband, Gary, both live. She is a self-proclaimed nerd who loves tabletop role-playing games, comic book conventions, and cats. Annalise, welcome to Synaxis.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. You come highly recommended by Jason <laughs> Michelli. So any friend of Michelli is not necessarily off my list. Now, uh, how how long have you worked? You're a United Methodist pastor, and you work at Aldersgate Methodist?
1: Um, so I'm actually not ordained. I am uh, the director of youth ministries here at Aldersgate, and I started about a month ago, so I'm like new. You're fresh. I'm fresh.
0: No cynicism. <laughs> You're wide-eyed.
1: <laughs> well, I did and last year, I spent working at a church, so there may be a little bit of cynicism, but <laughs> less than some others. Okay, so, that'll do yeah. <laughs> it. Are
0: Are you Are you planning to get ordained?
1: I am um, thinking about it. It's always, it's a um, constant process of discernment, so <laughs> we'll see.
0: Awesome. Well, you have good people, it sounds like, at Aldersgate to help you think through Yes, so I do. That's always a good thing. So you work with young people? I do, mm-hmm. Teenagers, the youths, as they call them, so like do you how often do you preach or teach the Bible to them
1: um so fairly often yes we we um, have uh, our Sunday school curriculum is bible study based, so we do a lot of teaching in that uh, format, um, and all of the kind of retreat um, um, send the youth on are um, worship-focused, um, and uh, w- the goal of them is to try and uh, help them start learning the process of planning and doing worship for themselves. Um When I was growing up, that was one of the most important things for me in my journey to really understanding my faith was when someone said, Hey, you're, you've got this like really creative kind of mind and spirit about you and you really have a passion for, for Jesus. So maybe you should start planning worship. Um, and so when I was first given the opportunity to do that, it really just changed the way that I understood my faith because I had to start asking questions like, why do we put this here? And what is the purpose of having that there? And um, what do those song lyrics actually mean? Is that appropriate for this setting? And, and it was really helpful.
0: Wow, what a gift. And so it sounds like you're passionate about passing along a gift that I was am, given yes. to you. Well, let's try to pass it on to other folks, or at least pass on our, our mutual Fun is for the Bible by talking about some of these lectionary texts. The first text we've got is Genesis 45. So it's weird because the, the lectionary kind of last week, I think we kind of like are in the beginning part of the Joseph story. And then this week they <laughs> end it. <laughs> Which is, it's actually a pretty long right. story in the Old Testament. But this is sort of the, the, the climactic kind of point, And I'm sure none of the young people you work with have dysfunctional <laughs> families or conflicts with siblings but none <laughs> if they did would there be any relevance in in this text where joseph is sort of playing this con game the long con kind of yeah. thing with his brothers yeah. right and they don't know it's him and he's sort of got he's like the prime minister of egypt he's got all the power and then there's this re, like his oldest judah uh or one of his older brothers judah unveils this this it does something sacrificial that breaks seemingly mm-hmm. breaks his heart right mm-hmm.
1: yeah um it, i think it probably resonates with with youth a lot um actually and um a lot of the kind of focus that i bring to most texts is trying to think about things from my own context um because that's the best thing that i can offer to anyone including the youth that i serve so um i thought about it a lot as uh As a woman of color as well. And so this idea of like, um, like being sold away, um, is like that resonates in a really very specific way for me as like a black woman in America, right? Um, so my first thought when I was looking at that passage, um, and thinking about how I would interpret this end of the story, um, was how much hope is found in this idea that God uses this thing that was intended for evil and to hurt someone and turns it into something that not only saves that person, but is able to save his entire family and allows the person who was hurt to forgive the folks that did this to them and also raises them up as well. You know, it's just, it's a beautiful kind of picture of what the kingdom can look like with this reconciliation of all of these people back together and back to God. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And
0: it's interesting, like in the text last week, because, you know, Jacob's kind of family's settling in Canaan. And it seems like some of the blessings that God promised Abraham are kind of coming true, right? He's get, The family's getting bigger. They haven't taken ownership of the land, but they're living in it. And then it, we find out that, like, the sin that hurt Jacob most, oh. favoritism, is what nice. he passes on to the family. Like, it's like systemic issues that... Like, happen in families or happen in cultures, you know, as we've seen in this week's uh, horrific events. Like, you just don't get over exactly. systemic issues, right. like, in a day or a generation yes. or a century. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And what do you think—I Is it, I mean, not to over-psychologize <laughs> Joseph, but wh- what—because we don't really know what he's thinking. By the way, I just want to show you something, show and tell. I've mentioned this a couple times lately, but this, this book called hmm. I Am Joseph— I'm holding up. Maybe I'll tweet a picture out or something. Uh, but it's a book that was given to me because it was banned from the Children's wow. Library okay. <laughs> that I went to school. Cause, largely because of this picture of Joseph. Uh,
1: and, uh, uh, yeah. Some,
0: Joseph looks like he's spot. <laughs> very, very toned guy. But Wait, what is it? Why do you think he, he kind of breaks down w- where he does? You know... And then it says I'm Joseph and he's he he's crying and
1: I, I feel like it's there's just something about holding that kind of weight, um, that kind of pain inside you that you really just can't hold on to it forever, you know? Um, that there there just comes a point where you just have to let it go. And I don't know exactly why this is his moment. Um, but maybe it's just something about having all of his family back and, and seeing the um, the reversal of roles that's happened um, and how this is the moment where he could choose to just let them walk away and, and be hungry and starve or he can save them. And it's just, you know, he has to make that decision. And I think um, he is just a man that has that heart for God and um, and makes the right decision here.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's so interesting too, right? Because like to see Judah care about the baby right, brother and care right. about his father's heart in a way that he didn't before, and you know, I wonder like if there, are, I mean, it's really easy to see Joseph as a Christ figure, mm-hmm. right? One castaway who who then you know rises from the dead literally and then redeems his people, but I wonder if Judah mm-hmm. is a Christ figure too because here he he foreshadows maybe you know we call Jesus the line of Judah, but here, the one who was abusing power now offers his life yes. instead of another. You know, the, let my life mm-hmm. be ransomed. for And his. it's
1: clear that Joseph can see that this is a true change of heart in Judah as well. Um, and I think that probably adds to his willingness to forgive him as he's seeing, yeah, like, he's changed. His heart has changed. And um, that lets him uh, be able to react with love.
0: like an egyptian okay so that text like preaches itself right (laughs) right these the romans passage a little tougher to preach it's so short and the way they cut up the lecturing text is weird sometimes but here we have paul at the end of sort of thinking through the mystery of why some people are believing you know and some aren't especially you know Israel to Christ comes first seems to be uh less responsive proportionately to these Gentiles who were the followers of jesus the movement's growing uh and then he he just kind of says, you know uh you know God hasn't rejected his people by no means you know he identifies with them. He has this great line, right? what if God has sh- constrained all to disobedience right. in order to have mercy yeah on it's all.
1: really interesting I have to um credit Jason with a lot of my thinking on this passage, because he preached on it. You don't I have to do, credit for Jason for I anything. Do. He, he preached <laughs> on it a couple weeks ago, and it was, um, it was such a good sermon that I actually went home and called a bunch of my seminary friends, because we, we all live in different parts of the nation now, so we call each other a lot just to talk. And what we talked about that night was Jason's sermon on this passage, um, which is, you know, Uh, not only kind of shows just what kind of nerds we are, but also shows just how good the sermon was. So, you know...
0: When he hears this, his his head he's not going to be able to fit. (laughs) Maybe he won't listen. It's fine.
1: Um, the but what I really appreciated from his sermon and it really changed the way that I looked at this passage. Um, was this concept of of God really being in control of of literally everything. Um, that everything having this purpose of being able to show mercy and grace to us. Um, and that was actually really helpful for me. And I appreciate as well the way that it kind of looks back towards um. The Joseph passage. I can see why they put these together in the lectionary um, for this understanding of uh, of everything that looks bad for us in this moment um, and causes us so much pain, um, still being able to be used by God to create something good. Um, And I really appreciated that kind of understanding of it. So even uh, the disobedience that comes with the free will that has been gifted to us is something that God will use to. to complete the family of God. I think that's really beautiful.
0: Like God's capacity to outsmart us always outpaces us. Exactly.
1: Our yeah. God's something. always yeah. a step ahead. Yeah. Or multiple steps. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right. So that's, a, yeah, exactly. Like a grand chess master. Okay. So that's an easier one to preach, even though it's a little more seemingly abstract is the way it's broken up. But, you, you know, young people, hey, look, no matter what, no, no, no matter how scandalous or hard it is to believe, there is a God. There is a rhyme and yes. reason and rhythm to the universe, and yeah, I think that's especially
1: words, important for um, for young folks. You know, I was um, told before I came on here, one of my good friends, who's also um, a youth pastor, uh, was talking to me about some research he'd been doing on just kind of like general psychology of teenagers, and one of the things that he had come across was that. Um, um, for a lot of us, we look at, like, when a teenager has their first crush or is dealing with their first kind of, like, traumatic kind of, like, drama with friends or something like that, that we can look at it and kind of dismiss it pretty easily and say, ah, you'll get over it, you know. But this is the first time they've ever experienced that, and so the emotions that go with it are so strong, Um and we tend to underestimate that. And I think having a word like this, that even in this moment of your deep pain, God can use that for good. I think that's a super important message for teenagers, um, that we tend to overlook. So I'm, I'm glad that that's a, uh, I'm glad that that's there. Not only just, you know, because it helps me with teenagers, but because it's just such an amazing testament to who God is.
0: Yeah, it's a message for everybody. They say if you can do youth ministry, you can do any ministry in the church. But that's not necessarily mm. true in the ver- the reverse, mm-hmm. right? Like I I, yeah. I think there's the real truth to that. So <laughs> you could preach to anybody. Oh love that will not
1: let me go. I rest my weary
0: soul in me. Now this is the doozy. Okay, the gospel reading. Matthew 15:21 through 28 this 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 is probably one of the hardest texts to preach in <laughs> the gospel some people think right cuz Jesus looks really weird the text of the syrophoenician woman they go to the to district of tire and sidon sort of the bad lands no man's land and then it's like you're in the dark alley at 2 a.m. in the neighborhood that gives you the willies and then this person comes out you know with all the sexism now in the first century right. it's, it's it's even worse there's she's a racial outsider it, her gender makes her an outsider she's clearly something's wrong because she's complaining about her demoniac child, and the disciples are just like, <laughs> "Get rid of her <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and uh it, uh, it's really interesting that it keeps saying, you know, Jesus. He doesn't mention Jesus' name until mm. he answers the woman. It just says he said and he answered. And he, but then at mm. the end we get the name of Jesus. So is Jesus like <laughs> racist here? Is he? Is he? And we have we have a Jesus. He's kind of getting it together here at first. He's like, yeah, you guys are right. Wait, all right, she's not so
1: bad. You know, What's, I. What's going on here? I have absolutely no idea how to interpret what Jesus is doing here. Um, But I did, like, I have dug into this and looked at a ton of different kind of, like, feminist and womanist and other people's kind of like understandings of of what is happening here and the things that they're very clear about are that this is definitely a real insult that even then calling someone a dog was like not okay um and there are some people who've tried to say but the greek here is kind of like it's more like a puppy or like a a loved house dog right you know um but the um it's not okay. It's still not okay. It's still an insult. Like, yeah, like if you right. said if you said bitch or exactly. little bitch. Exactly. It wouldn't matter. Right. It's yeah. Still like offensive. the women's violence commentary talks about that. Um, but that's yeah, that is absolutely it's still not okay. Um the thing that I really love about this story, and if I was preaching on it, how I would focus um is again, especially coming from the perspective of a black woman, this this really resonates. The story resonates with me. And I think she um Falls clearly within the, the chutzpah tradition, right? Of, uh, um, many women throughout scripture who have right. had to risk everything to save themselves, to save their family, to save their people, um, who, who stand in front of God and say, you're gonna do something about this. You're gonna help me. Um, and I really appreciate that about her. I think it, it it really puts her, um, in that line of super strong, powerful, important women, um, in scripture who are willing to say that, who are willing to, to kind of challenge God and say, Hey, I know that everyone else is calling me the least of these, but you're a God who believes in mercy and justice and grace, and you're going to help me. Um, And just being willing to stand up and say, no, no, I know you. I know your character. You're going to do this for me. Um, And I really appreciate that about her.
0: Yeah, and she's commended for her faith. It's almost like her faith faith makes possible the sort of deconstruction of the boxes. Exactly. The boxes Mm -hmm. she's in. Can I read you something that is like my favorite treatment of this passage ever? I'm going to try not to cry when I read it. but um, This is by Frank Lake, who's a... He was a psychiatrist. Uh, he's a blessed memory. He died in the early 80s. But he, he wrote this like thousand page book like, okay. trying to integrate like theology and psychiatry. And it's one of my favorite books about just pastoral care and life. But he talks about this passage and he, I'll just read a few. That It's like a page and a half. I'll just read parts of it. He says, The silence of Christ frustrated her urgent petitions and made her seek not his favors, but his face. It would be his face that held together the cleavages of her existence. His paradoxical gaze held her both in sternness and gentleness. Knowing herself in his countenance, she did not need to deny the ineluctable fact of her own exclusion from the favored family. She could hold to the truth of her outsiderish feelings, unmitigated by sentiments calculated to soften the blow, while denying to her the painful truth, but nevertheless the truth of her own wretched status. She was a dog, and there is no greater indignity in the East than that. She had also produced a demoniac daughter. Election had placed the Jew in an unmerited position of national right. An appalling temptation to presumption went with it. But still, he was the covenant child of God. Uh, And he just talks about, you know, the Messiah being called to um, the Jews. And he says, hysterical in her need and clinging, afflicted and ready to shrink away like a beaten cur into a cringing, Mm. cringing schizoid detachment. Why was she not repelled by the master's words? Surely because she was living in the light of his countenance and to do mm. this is faith and creates faith out over the abyss of separation between Jew and Greek, breaking down with his encouragement, the middle wall of partition between them. She quips as faith so often does for its crazy contrast, make for humor truth, Lord, yet the dogs of the crumbs, which fall from the master's table. I may be subhuman, a kind of dog, a thing without family rights, but you are my Lord and master. And you are so rich a giver that even scraps from a table like yours are bounding for me. All this speaks strongly of the way the truth of Christ comes to the sons of want. Burden they there with schizoid deficiencies at the heart of their humanity. And by schizoid, he kind of means like PTSD. God, okay. Where you are kind of split off from yourself. Um, uh, Sydney says Jesus. She had already done so. Her eyes of faith had been feasting on his countenance, and she was healed of the horror of rejection. Christ had created faith in her, and then he commended it, for its greatness is the magnitude of the abyss over which she leapt to follow his eyes. First, they had looked with compassion and identification into the deep pit of her unmerited degradation. And I (laughs) like that, the unmerited degradation. (laughs) Like, she didn't deserve it, but she was degraded. Uh, She had not winced. Dog, he said. And, dog, she was, not a human-feeling child at all. Then he had drawn her across an infinite distance by an invitation in his eyes to rest in his heart, the place where all souls are fed. She did not hang back. No lingering introspective glance made her draw back. Unresponsive to a steady look, she did not say in tiresome apology, "'Let my shame go where it doth deserve, guilty of dust and sin, or I cannot look on thee, or I will serve.'" She obeyed the indication in his eloquent eyes. Without hesitation, she she did sit and eat. "'O woman, great is thy faith.'" Be it unto thee, mm. even as thou wilt, said Jesus. Her daughter was healed at that moment. She returned home and found her uh, healed. Being in well-being, life in its sustenance, healing for herself and healing for her distant daughter in her utter nothingness and leaving behind her self-rejection. She accepted all that Christ had to give in one splendid gesture of response to him. All that passed verbally to mark this infinitely perfect. That's beautiful. You know,
1: it made me think about um, how in this moment, uh, Jesus is really fulfilling part of um Mary's words in the Magnificat the the idea of of bringing up uh the lowly and bringing down the proud and how in so many of those um uh, moments through scripture we see um, how the presence of Jesus really shames people who have too much pride. Um, but in this moment, this woman with no pride absolutely does not, uh, reject the way that she's being treated, but says, no, no, this is how people have decided I should be. But I, but I know that you're not going to do that to me, um, because of who you are. I think that's, yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that.
0: Ah, I love, it's one of my favorite passages in this whole book, but yeah. And I think that, and for somebody that does relational ministry with, with teens, right? Like I, kid, I mean, this is so often it's, it is mm, mirroring yes. the unconditional gaze of Christ, right? Like it's, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have to be all the um, eloquent teaching or right. great object lessons. Yeah, I think that's, it's a, a really of important part
1: of, of youth ministry, just being willing to be there and be present in someone's life and to be a stable um force in their life is so important to doing that kind of ministry. And um it's the thing that I love the most about it, because I expect to really spend time and get to know people. And in my experience, um, teenagers are so much more willing to share their lives with you than adults are. Um, It takes a lot to get an adult to be willing to actually sit down and tell you what's really going on with their lives, because by that point, they've been conditioned to be really good and nice at church and to not tell anyone what's going on you know because that's like shameful to talk about your struggles um but youth are so much more willing to say this is happening and i'm really feeling it and i need someone to feel it with me and yeah it's a real blessing to do this kind of ministry
0: well thank you for sharing a little bit of your life like 20 minutes with me thank you so much for having having me and for sharing as well our listeners thanks you're welcome pleasure is all mine Thanks for listening to the Synaccess Podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe. Or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks again to Annalise Stevens-Jennings for being my guest. And thanks to you again for listening. Until next time, fare thee well.